Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Peter Bodeway. Peter manages strategy and partnerships for an innovative alliance of energy companies committed to reducing environmental impacts through collaborative R&D efforts. Peter worked for more than 20 years in Asia, building and investing in a variety of businesses. His most recent role outside of Canada was with the World Wildlife Fund, where he was the chief executive officer of WWF China, based in Beijing. Prior to that, Peter lived in Hong Kong for 15 years working in the technology industry. And now, without further ado, let's join Peter as he has a conversation with Craig Elias. Take it away, Peter. So thanks, Al. Good morning, everyone. My name is Peter Bodeway, and I'll be your host of today's Rainforest podcast. Today's guest is Craig Elias. Craig's an entrepreneur in residence at Bow Valley College. And he's very active in the Calgary startup community. I know you manage the weekly MVP Mondays. Um, You've also kicked off a monthly series with Amazon Web Services recently, where you're talking about the possibilities of cloud computing, et cetera. So there's lots to discuss, lots to discuss. So welcome, Craig. Welcome. Peter, thank you very much for having me. So let's start off just a little bit of general background. I mean, as entrepreneur in residence at Bow Valley College, you're involved in all sorts of interesting projects. I guess first question is sort of like, what problem are you looking to solve? So I guess for me, the, the first big problem I'm trying to solve is I'm trying to find a way to help more students on campuses across the province become first-time entrepreneurs. And my primary way of solving that problem or looking at a way of solving that problem is based upon some research done by a guy named Daniel Eisenberg, I think is his last name, at Babson College, which is in Wellesley, Massachusetts. And he talks about the impact of role models. So what I'm really trying to find a way to do is put role models on all of the campuses across the entire province. And while I'm doing that, it just turns out I can kind of do a few other things at the exact same time. That's great. That's great. So I wanted to ask a little bit about your MVP Mondays program. I know this is a weekly webinar. You've launched it, goodness, last August in the middle of the pandemic and where you really help entrepreneurs, I would describe it as find their niche. But can you tell us a little bit more about the series? Yeah. So we run it twice a month. We try to avoid the holiday Mondays. That's why we run it on the second and fourth Monday of every month. And it's been born out of an understanding of the whole sort of commons model. And, you know, I have for the last three years been doing a lot of work with a a really smart guy named Ash Moria around this whole lean canvas. How do we get people to validate there actually is a problem people want to have solved? And then it just seemed like, well, the next step is how do we get people to validate their idea? And I looked across the province and I'm like, we suck at this. Like I would say I'm one of the better people and I would give myself a three and a half. So I'm like, how do we solve this problem? So that's solving the problem in two different ways. One, running these MVP Mondays, And we have a panel of four really smart people that are good at this, um, that give each tech entrepreneur who shows up and shares what they're planning, they give them really good, solid feedback, mostly just to isolate, like, what's the test you're running? What's the variable you're trying to validate? What's this hypothesis or assumption? Because if you're doing too many things at once, you just can't get there. So that's part of it. The other part is to skill up 
those of us that are on this panel and other folks in the province. I also leveraged the knowledge of a guy named David Bland, who wrote a book with Alexander Osterwalder. And we ran a session for um, faculty, staff, mentors, and alumni of the 150 Startups Program with David in November. And it was so good. We actually are bringing him back. So we have a session on February 19th. We also have a session on March 19th. But it really is, how do you make sure you run the right test to validate whether or not people want the product or service that you're selling? And that's really what we're trying to do on these MVP Mondays. So it's really about rapid prototyping. And, and yeah, that's great. So can you give us can you give us maybe an example of a startup that was reviewed? So just to give us an idea of what you were looking at. Yeah. So, and she's going to shoot me because I've totally forgotten her name, but the last go around, we had a lady who was doing something around internships and trying to find someone to mentor interns. And that same person somehow would work with these tech firms to make sure the project was worthwhile. It was super comp from my perspective. It was super complicated. It's like, wow, there's so much stuff going on in here. And about 20 minutes in, Wendy, one of the people, Wendy Muse, one of the people on the panel says, well, I think what you're, the problem you're really trying to solve, like what you want to isolate is, do startups have a problem bringing interns in because you know they spend too much time with them after the fact? And that's when I went, well, hang on a second. When I did my first startup, I gave my first prototype as a project to a bunch of students at a technical school, and it just didn't work. So from my perspective, just having someone validate whether the intern I've got is going to be able to do the job, um, like that's pain number one. Once that has been validated, then you can go away and validate all, all the other assumptions. Do they need a supervisor? All this other stuff. So yeah, we just went to this process. Okay, way too complicated. Figure out what's that one scale thing. Scale it back, yeah. Right, yeah. Like scale it back. Pick one thing to test at once. Now go run the test. If that's validated, then you move on to your next risky assumption. But it was like, it was just, for me, it was like, at first 20 minutes, I was like, wow, I don't even know how to help. And Wendy um, hit it out of the park. And as soon as she said that, I'm like, oh, that is so true. The challenge I find with most entrepreneurs is they talk to some friends who say it's great, or they view themselves as being in their target market and their sample size is one. Yeah, one yeah, yeah. yeah, and they got to get to 30. Otherwise, it doesn't work. But they're they're testing all the wrong things and they use all these vanity metrics to prove how good they are, none of which is relevant until you really get to that one test. You've got to find a way to make sure it gets passed. So you're really dealing with startups that are could be very early stage at concept only, right? Maybe they've just got a few notes written. I mean, what I'm hearing like this, this isn't, it's complex. It's not fully flushed out. It could be very early stage, I guess. Yeah, it really is designed for those that are super early stage. We run a different series of events called Tech Sales Tuesdays. They're the first and third Tuesday every month. So if you're farther along and you've built something already and now you're trying to get customers, that's a totally different problem. That's not what we're trying to do on Mondays. Okay, okay. So let's, I mean, you've run dozens of these reviews, if not more, a few yeah. dozen of these reviews. What's sort of the one learning point then that you want entrepreneurs to come away with, right, from this MVP Monday series? Uh, uh, don't be uncoachable. Okay. Like it's amazing. People go, I, I know I'm right. I know I've done this. Like, but you, you haven't isolated. You haven't tested the basic assumption. You just have gone away, talked to some friends who said, yes, it's a really good idea. Go do this. And I think we do people a disservice. We, we try to find a way to be helpful. 
not nice, not like Kevin O'Leary can be sometimes, but really like, okay, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I just help them go through this multiple times to go, oh yeah, I'm totally testing the wrong thing. Like I was going to go build something way bigger, way more expensive, take way more time before I even validate that I was on the right path. So that's, I think it really is the mistake people make is they build too much before they test. Great. Yeah. And that's true because then you run out of money quickly. If you have to pivot, you have got a, something that's half built. So it is a, it's a great learning. It's a great learning. Thanks for that, Craig. So yeah. question that if, if an entrepreneur wants to get their ideas reviewed on MVP Mondays, I mean, that's, that's still possible, right? Yeah. So there, we're, we have some space. I think we're booked for, uh, the last one in February and March is already done. So uh, if they just go to Google and type in MVP Mondays, they should find a page that's on the 150 startups website for the student initiative. You fill in the form and say, you know, I'm an early stage tech entrepreneur. I would love to get some feedback on my MVP. We'll reach out and we'll put you in the schedule. Great. Okay. So quite, yeah. So for those listeners who are a startup or who have startups who want to test an idea, uh, this is a great opportunity to get some early stage, early feedback. So again, I'd uh, encourage you all to apply. So I did want to sort of shift gears, uh, Craig, and talk a little bit about the ecosystem, right? Because yeah. again, you're you're in all, you work at all sort of areas within the ecosystem. And when I think back, I look at the last few years, and when we think of Calgary's transformation to an innovation hub, there's been so, so much changes. There's government programs, whether it's Fed, provincial, city, there's new funding, new approaches. If, just an open question. How do you feel we're doing in transforming to an innovation hub? I think we're getting better. The challenge that, so there's two things. I think there's a challenge of role models, but there's also a challenge of mentors. There is not enough people for early stage people to go talk to. There are some super cool, like, and, and I don't want to say unapproachable because that's not the right way to say this, but super busy folks like, um, Evan Hugh, Brad Zomwalt, a few other folks that have been doing this for a long time and everybody wants some of their time. Well, there's not enough of those to go around. So uh, Sarah, I think her last name is, I forget her, her last name, Moorhill, used to run the Venture Mentoring Services of Alberta. She has a perspective on mentorship, which I agree with for the most part, which is a mentor is anybody who's farther along or a mentor could be anybody that's farther along than you are. But we don't make that public. So that's one of the things I'm working towards is like, how do we have an army of these folks, not just the select few that are, you know, they're mentors for BMSA or Futurepreneur or a few other programs. We need like 10 times more mentors if we want 10 times more startups. Well, let's explore that, Craig, because it's interesting. I, I, I think my last podcast was with, was with Chris Dobble, who's now the, home, uh, the Calgary lead for VMSA. Yeah. Right. We talked a little bit about the program. And, you know, he wants to scale it, but ultimately, I think, and the numbers, he has approximately 35 mentors with 25 startups. Um, you know, and, and you know, those mentors are mentoring more than one startup because it's not just a one-to-one -one relationship. So, you know, to scale that, and, and those are companies that, you know, they have to meet a fit. They've reached a certain stage. They're, you know, close to pre-revenue. You know, but what I'm hearing here is you're talking about a real larger number of mentors to really help people still at the ideation phase, you know, they haven't quit their day job to kick it off. They're just going, I, I got this idea. What do I do? Is that where we, where you see we need it? We need help. So I think we need help all the way along. But if I look at this goal, 
uh, lofty, but I think achievable goal of having a thousand tech startups in Calgary within 10 years. The, the way that works is startups. You need startup, startup, startup. You need more people with crazy ideas that haven't been validated yet. And you got to find a way to help them validate and turn it into something they do full time, become a one to five person shop. That's the place where I'm trying to find a way to have the biggest impact. And I look at um, Benevity, like Benevity started in 2008. I remember when I first went and saw Brian uh, and he's going to shoot me. I've forgotten his wife's name, Lana. Oh, she's going to shoot me. Sorry. Um, but I would see them. There was a handful of people in this building across from Mech. And in 12 years, they became this billion-dollar company. So there's all this potential. We just need more of these startups to get involved because Benevity's don't show up every day of the week. They're one in 100 or one in however many. So the more that we put in, the more likely we are to be successful. So yeah, it's on the front end. But at the same time with the, the mentors, like if I can find a way to create an army of mentors for people all the way along in different stages, stages in different industries with different levels of expertise, that's what we're trying to find a way to create. Well, then let's explore that because you have your MVP Mondays, yep. right? So that's where very early stage, this is just, uh, you know, spitballing the ideas and reviewing, seeing how, you know, how the, the MVP can be improved, yep. how to run potential tests. Then you, you've got your Tuesday event. Let's explore a little bit more about that because that's, you said, as for startups who are, are a little bit more developed. So can you explain a little bit about what you're doing there? Yeah. So there's there's five of us that are a panel. And between the five of us, we have over a century's worth of technology sales experience. And, and I will tell you, when I first started this, I looked across the province and I could not find um, more than six or seven people who had any really good experience selling technology, not to someone who's an oil and gas executive in the province, like actually outside. And that's one of the challenges is having a really good idea is in some respects, easy. The hard part is how do you get someone to become a customer? And some of the things that we tend to focus on, the first thing we tend to spend time on is what is called an ICP, ideal client profile. Like who's that perfect guy or perfect gal who right now has interest in your product or service? That's the first thing we do. The second thing we try to do is figure out what's your value proposition? What can you say to somebody that creates instant interest in what you do and has them ask you, how do you do that? And if you can just do those two things, that's half the battle. The challenge is that most tech entrepreneurs don't like to sell and they just wait till somebody comes to them. They don't have any sort of even semi-structured framework that they use. So it takes them a lot longer to get to product market fit. It takes them a lot longer to get revenue. It takes them a lot longer to be able to get investments and it takes them a longer to grow. And our theory is if you can sell stuff, you don't need investment, not for a while. And if you can sell stuff, then everything else becomes a whole lot easier because now you can hire more people, whether they're consultants or full-time staff or interns, it doesn't matter. But until you get revenue, you're kind of stuck. So how do we just get to the point where people have early success with customers? And if it's whether it's the first 10 or first 100 customers, after that, it's easy. But the first one, 10 or 100, they're the hardest. Yeah, so that's a really interesting point because I know that when I talk with Jeff LaFrance. So he's a CEO of a, a university spin-out and he's been doing quite well. And he, he, when I asked him, 
you know, what's the challenge to grow? Because he's sort of at, he was at the phase of about 10 people. And he said sales resources, real high caliber sales resources who can sell technology. And, and you know, the B2B type of salesman and not to oil and gas. So they, this has been a, an ongoing issue, which in some ways is a constraint, right? As companies look to grow, this is an area we want to focus on. So are there other programs out there, Craig? I know like there's GrowthX, there's others. I mean, what's out there else that we could look at or, or that is potential for organizations who want to build their sales capability? It's a good question because I looked around and GrowthX is good, but a little expensive. Um, there's a super cool guy who is the executive director for Techstars Austin. His name is Amos Schwartzfarb. Um, he'll, he'll come along for like $5,000. He can then find a way to help you get there. I, I look at this problem slightly differently. Um, and it comes from experience that I have with a bunch of tech startups in Silicon Valley. You can't hire your way out of this problem. You can't go hire a super salesperson. It doesn't work. So this is why I'm a big believer of this um, incremental approach, which is used by a lot of the most successful high-tech startups. The first thing you do is you hire what is called a lead development rep, an LDR. Their only job is to go find people who could potentially be interested in a company's product or service. The tech founder then goes away and makes those calls. And then as time goes on, what happens is the LDR begins to understand the product, the service. They become what's called an SDR, a sales development rep. They'll make the first few phone calls. They'll bring in the tech founder later on. And then as they skill up and revenues go along, you hire an LDR underneath them. You then turn the SDR into a BDR. They manage the deal farther along. And right at the end, they bring in the CEO. But it's, it's that progression that allows people to have career potential inside an organization so they stay. And it also is a slow incremental way to build the expense of a sales team while at the same time matching it with revenues. So I'm right now running a test with Venture for Canada. I've got a handful, less than 10 of these lead development reps that I'm running through some training and helping them build out a playbook. Okay. So that when the, when the intern is done, the tech founder has the playbook, they can hand that to any future LDR, SDR, BDR to go do this. And the intern now has a playbook they can take with them anywhere else they go. That's great. No, and this is it. So it can be replicable and grow. So no, that's a that's yeah. a great point. That's a great point. So interestingly, um, uh, you know, I know that you look globally at the innovation ecosystems, right? So there is all sorts of programs out there. There's great opportunities. You know, if there was one program you could transplant here, what would it be? It's a total no-brainer. That is called the Alchemist. Okay, tell us about it. It is that. run by it's oh yeah, it's called Alchemist Accelerator, run by a guy named Ravi Balani. Ravi used to be an analyst at Draper Fisher Jurgensen. So when I got my first money from a venture capitalist, it was DFJ, Draper Fisher Jurgensen. And Ravi was the analyst that I worked with when I first went to go see them. They were kind of like this front. Um, him and Tristan, I've forgotten her last name. But I went to spend 30 minutes with them. And if I passed that test, then I got an hour with all the partners in the venture capital firm. So that year, DFJ did, uh, they saw 20,000 business plans and invested in 12 new companies. I was one of those 12 the year that I got money from those guys. And Ravi's a super awesome guy. Um, I actually ran out of money when I was down there doing all the paperwork. And he went to an ATM and took up 500 bucks to 
take you through the weekend because <laughs> because the money that I had wired from my U.S. corporate account to my Canadian personal account didn't get there in time for me to take it out of an ATM in downtown San Francisco. So he runs this really cool program called Alchemist. They get 450 submissions three times a year from companies all over the planet. They take 25, right? They then have CEO mentors. They then have sales mentors, guys and gals just like me. And when I go down, it is like therapy. Like I am totally in my element, but completely out of my league. Like these guys and gals have run billion dollar divisions of Google, Apple, Microsoft, or sold a company for a hundred million dollars or more. But what's I find interesting about uh, the Alchemist, A, besides the fact that it's super successful, is the fact that they bring in these 450 submissions every single like third of the year, every four months. So if we were able to bring the Alchemist into Alberta, it comes with what I would call foot traffic. Like there's 425 submissions that don't make the cut for Alchemist in San Francisco. What if we just took the next 25 and brought them all to Calgary and helped them become a startup here? That's what I would love to see. There's lots of other really good programs, but they don't come preloaded with like 1,275 companies that we could look at that were turned down by Ravi and a few folks and say, hey, you're more than good enough to be in our ecosystem. That's my thing. And here's the thing. I'm having conversations with some people and then nanosecond, someone says, we're interested. I'll just text Ravi and say, when can we meet? Because I brought him up twice already to come talk. He spoke at the Bant Venture Forum. Yeah. So, right, I brought him up for that, working through Mark Elric. I've had him also speak. He spoke, he was the uh, keynote speaker last year for the final day, the Friday for the Innovation Rodeo. And he spent an hour talking to the audience, explaining how do you build a billion-dollar company? Like, I would put him in front of everybody else that I know right now. Great. Okay. No, well, that's uh, something to look forward to. Maybe you got your plan set out for the next few years. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have other plans around building that army of mentors. That's my next okay, thing. Okay, army of mentors. But I do, I know, I mean, we're. I just did want to explore a little bit about Amazon because I know you yeah. just landed a monthly or you started, launched a new monthly event with Amazon Web Services yeah. where you discuss cloud computing. So can you give us a teaser about this series? Yeah. So it's we're going to run it twice a month. We're going to run them Thursdays from 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, this came from my prep uh, when we had Ian Hathaway, so the uh, co-author for Brad Felt of Techstars um, book. In, in doing my prep, I listened to Brad Felt talk about a tech founder who had a challenge getting good iOS developers and Brad challenged him to solve the problem himself instead of complaining. So he started running these monthly iOS events. And before too long, they built up this whole iOS community. So I did a bunch of research on the um, on high-tech industries in high-tech cities like Seattle, San Francisco, Austin, Boston, Toronto, Vancouver, and Waterloo. And the fastest growing in-demand tech skill was Amazon Web Services. So I'm like, okay. I'm going to go do what Brad talked about, but I'm going to do it in Calgary for AWS. So I had been introduced to some folks at AWS. I told them about this crazy idea. They're like, great, let's go see what happens. We ran a information session last Friday, had 250 people sign up. Great. And on Thursday, the 25th, we have our first open session, which is free live AWS training designed for really three different groups. One 
anybody who's a tech founder who wants to get started, maybe, sorry, an idea, but wants to build a tech company, may not have a tech uh, co-founder for students that want to get into this space or anybody else that would like to find a way to get into tech, because my argument is, and the research shows, it is one of the most stable industries and the most resilient places to get a job that pays better than almost anything That's else. That's great. That's great. So, so you ran just just to clarify. So, you ran this event last week. It was the yeah. teaser event, was it? So now you're and you're opening it up then to training. Yeah. So, is the intention to sort of run a, a two hour training twice a month? Is that what I'm hearing? Sort of going forward. That's, that's, yeah. So we want to find those people who are like, Hey, what can I, can I get a job in tech or understand the basics? I'm super fortunate that half of my first degree was computer science. Like I started going down this path and then I bumped into second year calculus the second time while I took a business course and said, Oh, I can take what I know about technology and apply it to business and be in front of people all day. Like that was a total no brainer. So, uh, I think helping people understand all the different job opportunities in tech. It's not just developers, programmers, engineers, like that's less than 40% of the kind of jobs that we're going to have to fill. And if you understand technology, even just a little bit, it makes you way more desirable as an employee. So it's like anybody wants to get into tech, this is a really good place just to get started, meet like-minded people, solve some really big problems, and just start to learn. I'm going to go through this. Like I want to bring my 15 year old son. Like I want to put him through this. If anybody's thinking that one day they want a job in tech, whether you're young, old, or anywhere in between, like it's free. Why wouldn't you come? It's a great intro. So, so where, if they want, so if people want to know more, how do they find out about this? What's the the tagline to Google for this to find? Yeah. It? So the tagline would be techathon Thursdays. Techathon Thursdays. So I, I like to use alliteration, MVP Mondays, Tech Sales Tuesdays, Wannabe Wednesdays, Techathon Thursdays, and then, you know, the next big thing, of course, being Founder Fridays. Okay. Well, look, maybe we'll put some, uh, some st- you know, descriptions in the notes, at least, or where to log in yeah. for this so, uh, you know, people can refer back. Because I know that, again, you're, you've got all these different programs, and they're great programs, which would be of interest to different people. So that's that's great for this Amazon Web Service program. So I guess is. You know, I know I just want to sort of ask you 24 months out, you're so busy, you're doing all sorts of things. What's the next big thing you really want to launch? Yeah. I mean, you've talked about all sorts of ideas, alchemists, uh, more more mentors. Where, where are you focusing? Yeah, right? Here, here's my next thing. My next thing is I have learned a lot in the last three or four years running the Innovation Rodeo, having some really cool speakers. But um being able to run an event like with the one where we have Ian Hathaway came and talk and 650 people signed up to come hear about how do you build a startup community doing these sessions with David Bland. I'm like, is there a way to run something kind of like a book club that would run the f- first and third Friday of every month? So we skip these Fridays of long weekends. So people still show up that uh, at the beginning every month, what we'll do is we'll have a fireside chat with an, a well-known author of a book that's recently been released that's relevant to innovation, entrepreneurship, startups, tech, anything of that nature. The idea then being at the end of each of these fireside chats, we give away a link, people fill in a form, we send out 100 copies of the book. Two weeks later, we all get back together. We talk about the book, what we've learned, and is there a way to apply what's in the book to this lofty but achievable goal of having a thousand tech firms in Calgary within 10 years. The idea also then is that when I 
send you out a book. I pair you with somebody else. And I ask you to have a conversation with a total stranger, like go build these connections. And then when you're finished with the book, I ask you to give it to somebody else. And when you're done with this, come back the second time of the month. What I want to be able to do is I want to take your information. I want to build you a profile on a mentor page. So we then end up handing, having hundreds of people on this freely accessible mentor page where anybody who's working on almost any industry with a tech idea can go find the right guy or gal to give them guidance to get started on the right foot. That's my next big thing. That's yeah. the big one. Okay. So if people want to join you on that journey, Craig, and they want to get a hold of you, how wow. should they? Uh, yeah. So, so what do they text do? is the best way to reach me. Um, you can, if you want, you can message me through LinkedIn. I'm on there relatively uh, often. The one thing I would suggest people don't do is don't email me because I get hundreds of emails every day. I can only get to so much. I get up at 530 in the morning just to go through email for the first two and a half hours every single day. And I still... And we have exchanged emails at 5 yeah. in the morning or 6, and, 6 and, so yeah. And I yeah, still okay. have... Let me just have a quick peek. I still have... Uh, I still have over 200,000 unread emails in my inbox. So text is the best way to reach me. Oh, call always works. Here's the thing, and I'm sure you've had this happen, Peter. If you email me, the only thing I ask you to do when you email me is make sure your cell phone number is at the bottom of your signature. Like nothing drives me crazier than people email me and I can't phone them back. Oh, I'll get to that later. Later turns into never. That's right. Yeah, and if you email me with your cell phone number in there, Odds are I'm going to call you back. I don't have time to write an email. I'm just going to phone you. That's good. Okay. Well, words of wisdom there, Craig. So, but maybe what we can do as well is include some of that contact details in the description of the of the podcast. So at least totally. So yeah. So that'll be good. So again, Craig. I mean, you know, it's it's always good to chat with you and always informative. So I do want to say thanks for taking the time today to talk with us. It was really informative. So thanks again. Thanks for taking the time. My pleasure. That was fun. I look forward to finding a way to collaborate with people so we can all find a way to get to that thousand tech firms in 10 years. Great. So to all the listeners, thanks for listening today. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode is brought to you by Community Now Magazine. Engage, inspire, educate together. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.